0: What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Linear Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. William Mills. I'm a physical therapist and fitness coach, and today I sat down with Eric Petty. Eric is a personal trainer out of the Alabama area, um, and we're gonna we're gonna be chatting today about talking about pain and what pain means with youth athletics, Eric is big into the training scene for high school athletes with both track and field, basketball and baseball and football. Um, So he works with a lot of high speed athletes and getting them faster in terms of both running mechanics and lifting mechanics. So um, I had followed Eric a while ago and he's super into nerding out on the anatomy of the foot. Uh, So we're going to be talking a little bit about mechanics, but also, What pain means to these athletes and how should they be dealing with it while training around it? Does it mean you need to do a hard stop? Does it mean you need to alter the program? Typically the latter, but we'll dive into that in the podcast. Um, Besides that fun fact, when I first found Eric on Instagram, I thought it was interesting that he was in Alabama, but he was an LSU fan. Remember? I'm a Louisiana native go Tigers. So he's in the, the worst football territory in, in, in correlation to LSU being in Alabama around that Crimson Tide nonsense, but he's holding it down. He is holding down the purple and gold. So this was a fun conversation. Um, fun conversation and you know we got into a couple of the nuts and bolts of of what these things mean and how to best put a read on talking this out with with youth athletics good thing is the same way that you would talk about pain with youth athletics is similar to how you would chat and reprogram things for adults so it's applicable just got to apply the principles so hope you enjoy See you in the episode.
1: If you're a barbell coach or trainer interested in learning more about the mechanics of lifting or struggles with programming a client through pain to peak performance or communication skills to effectively gather intel on your client's previous injuries, this podcast is for you. The Alinea Coaches podcast exists to elevate strength and conditioning coaches. As well as personal trainers to the highest degree. Co-hosts and barbell coaches turned doctors of physical therapy, William Mills and Joey Rosie, interview coaches and trainers from around the globe on improving mechanics, communication, and programming to better serve their clients as a new line of fitness professional.
0: So tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us tell us where you're from, tell us what you do, and what's your uh, what's your niche and your passion with working with, uh, with these athletes?
1: Okay, um, to simplify my story, well not to even simplify it, I'll just say-
0: brief overview.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, went actually went to college just for aerospace assembly. Um, gra- after I graduated high school, car kept breaking down. I said, forget it, I joined the military. I didn't want to go to school anyway, so yeah. I, that was a great way for me to just make money and then say I'll go to school later. That's why I kept telling my mentor because he, he wanted me to stay and continue going to school. I said no, nah, I'm, I'm gonna get the GI Bill. They'll give me this amount of money, then I'll just go back. You know what I mean? He said okay, whatever. <laughs> and he knew it. He knew I was running away. Yeah. <laughs> but um, got in. Um, dealt with a lot of people, structured life uh, in the military, it was freaking easy all I did was play sports I played semi-pro football semi-pro basketball, got on a freaking army rugby team Um, I was artillery so it was literally college with, we had classes but all the classes are made on a third grade level, so I was basically, life was easy for me, I had to deal with dumb stuff but it was just me playing sports. Um, and so my mentor passed away and after he passed away, I came home and that's when I promised myself, like I'm going to go back to school and graduate because of him. You know what I mean? I've told him I would get a degree, so I'm going to get this degree. So I went back, um, got, got out the military, went back to school, um, actually went for physical therapy assistance this time, uh, did my clinical hours inpatient, outpatient, that uh, outpatient was freaking amazing. I did that at uh, Madigan in Washington State um, at, at the army. And I swear to God, dealing with those military patients is another level. I had, I, get this, I tell a lot of stories, but get this. This guy came to us um, because his ankle kept bothering him, bothering him for three years. Um, and what happened was he jumped out. of uh, he was a rig, not a rigger, but, uh, I forgot the, one, the ropes or whatever in, uh, off the helicopters. Yeah. So he jumped out the helicopter and rope and something it malfunctioned. And he literally fell like a hundred feet out of the air. Yes. And he boom fell, whatever. Right. <laughs> no he broke his ankle though. He didn't know it. Just his ankle. He didn't know it. He didn't know it. He didn't know it. Get this. Frickin major pain, he, he, he was special forces, but he didn't know it. And he continued to work on, right? That's the army way you continue to work on, even through pain, right? Yeah. That's why I, that's why I don't deal with pain anymore. Was this
0: on a mission, huh? Was this on a mission?
1: No, nah, it, it was training. Well, it was a training mission. So <laughs> after that, that's another reason why he did it because he had to deploy. So he deployed, did, did his uh, our rotation hours, came back. Ankle still hurting. He was doing all these type of competitions, 10-mile ruck march, you know what I mean, with, with weight on just running, like, just not rucking, but yeah. actually running, this type of stuff, right? And then he did all that stuff. I think he was in Georgia. He moved to uh, Washington State, and he said – it was years later. He said, you know what, Elfit, my ankle, it freaking hurts, and I'm going to sit call. He got an x-ray, realized that he broke his ankle, realized that he torn a lot of ligaments, <laughs> <laughs> and they had to do a emergency surgery. Um. So, but before what they was did the time surgery, on this?
0: huh? What was the time? How much time had passed by this
1: time? Three years. This was three years. So he just he broke his ankle three years ago, and he came to us. Like they wanted us to rehab him the month, uh, month before he had surgery. They didn't want to just go right in surgery on him. Yeah. Um, so rehabbing him is to the point where it's just like he he had no range of motion and it he just overcompensated so much um because he just mustering on it tells you how amazing the human body is right and I just I loved it outpatient I was like yo physical therapy is it and I love it then I have to do my inpatient hours then I I said hell no <laughs> <laughs> hell no I had we had a um, retired um, sergeant, command sergeant major, older guy. He this is his um, second hip surgery. The first hip surgery he went in and out. It was pretty uh, good recovery time and everything. So he had to do it on his other hip, and we had to get that man out of bed. Um, and to see a man who's been—he's older, so he had been to the Vietnam War. He was commanding the Vietnam. You know what I mean? It's just like hella strong man, been through multiple wars, and here he is, can barely get out the bed. It literally took us four hours just to get him upright. And as soon as he got him upright, he literally went into shop. And I, I mean, my first time I'm saying I'm like, oh, I know what the hell to do. I'm not doing anything. yes. Uh th- I'm just observing anyway because I'm getting my hours. Yeah, so I'm not. I haven't took any classes on this, so we're. I'm watching them. They are having hair sit him back down because he elevated too fast. Right, it took four hours to get him up, and he elevated too fast. I was like, Oh <laughs> no, no, this ain't it. So, it's
0: like watching paint dry.
1: <laughs> man, it's actually and- longer than watching
0: paint dry. <laughs>
1: Yes, I'd rather watch pain rather than that. Because pain is not human. Like that's a that's a grown man. Um born through that.
0: You said what? How old was he?
1: He was in his sixties. He was older. Yeah. yeah. I yeah.
0: went I went through some of those experiences. Yeah. Um so did you end up graduating PTA or did you uh, I didn't you were I like did, I can't do this?
1: Didn't get in the program. <laughs> so I did all that and you i came observing
0: home. at that uh-huh. yeah. you hadn't you hadn't started the
1: program exactly all this is just because it's army yeah and was interested so it they, they gave me that opportunity right so, yeah that yeah. was just 40, 40 hours of straight up inpatient outpatient 20 hours inpatient 20 hours outpatient so i and, and i was able to bless to be able to observe to that you know what i mean at yeah. uh at, at that at that young age but um no, nah, I got back and um, was actually trying to get in the program. My my freak messed up my GPA. It was a 1.5 because I just got out of joined the military. I didn't drop any of my classes. So I got my GPA but back to like a 3.4. And when it was time for me to actually join the program, um, it was only – a 15 people can get in the program.
0: Yeah. And
1: when I got in the seminar or whatever, I had my whole packet finished. It was just over like 200 people there. And in my eyes, I was like, I had the same mentality as these kids here. You know what I mean? I really thought like, oh, I'm not going to get picked for this. So I just changed my major back to aerospace assembly. And I just uh, went on to be a tech. And then I, I love health. So I got a, my personal training assist, uh, a certificate, And then I will just start training that way, you know what I mean? But actually being a tech, and actually it helped me out because me learning the technical world and learning tolerances and learning um, how you can push range of motion, because it's all the same. It's all mechanics, right? Right. and then go over to the health side and dealing with the biomechanics in the same way of tolerances and and how far you can push something and the things that you can develop and 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 just change right manipulate, um, so that deter actually benefit me now because how I view the body is way different. So now I'm just I'm a, a private man. I, I do my own training. Um, While well, telling you, I just uh, do a lot of training for the kids over here. High school athletes. Yes. Yeah. High school. And they, after they, they, they come back, they're collegiate too. It's the same, same stories though, depending on the school they go to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, I wanted to circle back to the special forces dude with what you said with, he broke his ankle, kept going. The stuff about the stuff about pain at this point, um, in, in terms of what we know about pain is, is kind of crazy. It's like there, the analogy, I mean, you, you gave an example of one of the analogies that I give my patients who are dealing with pain. And, and that's like, so if you're crossing the street and you step off the curb wrong and twist your ankle, but there's a car coming, you're not gonna stop and say, Oh dang, twisted my ankle. Exactly. You get the hell out the way. Right?
1: Exactly.
0: And it's probably not going to hurt until later. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's just the body's natural protective forces. Like if back in the day you were getting chased by a lion, you're going to keep going even if stuff hurts. Now in the, in the rehab world, it's like the, a lot of these problems are associated with, you know, something like that happens and then the nervous system doesn't calm down after that. Mm-hmm. And it's always flight or fight. And it's still a threat, even when those tissues have healed. So I would say for that dude, I'm, I'm just thinking about the possibilities here. I would, I would think he had trained his mind so hard, you know, special forces, <laughs> the mindset of a special force. Like my cousin is army. Yeah. And he did, he's done the first round of special forces training and he's about to go to uh, Fort Bragg to do, to do the next step. And he wants to be a medic, special forces. Mm-hmm. Medic. So, you know, and he's been dealing with a hip lab, a labrum problem for the past year that <clears throat> there's a balance between appropriate training and rehab, but the thing is, is like that dude probably cracked his ankle, and like it, it probably healed, but they probably had to do the surgery because it wasn't, you know, yeah, in the right spot or <laughs> yeah. fr- the way it fractured. Right, so
1: just because of the trauma, like literally, with this, yeah, literally. yeah. So he healed, but because he kept moving, move, uh, kept going, it healed wrongly. But again, he's still moving, and then he lost his range of motion, so that's why they wanted us to retrain him to actually break up some of that scar tissue that was around it right. because they didn't want to go in. I guess I didn't want to go in and remove it i don't I don't know why they actually i said I really I guess it's just so he can build up and then he'll have a faster recovery is why they wanted us to train him for the yeah. blood and then he go surgery,
0: yeah, I mean, depending on the bone he broke there's there, he could have broke several different ones. Um, depending on that, like the way something heals, if it heals a certain way, um, in the joint and he, you know, when you say he had limited range of motion, it was probably cause he was just avoiding it. And, but that, that yeah. even points towards how, how good the body is at compensating and getting the bot and getting the job done, even in the presence of, pain or dysfunction right which is su- it was a super interesting topic to me because it's like you know you're I, I, I know you're passionate about mechanics for athletes um, I would say in terms of like general population and and where the the science is going on, on big things on like why we have the opioid crisis and and all this stuff with like back pain and hip pain and shoulder pain and neck pain um the the physical therapy world is kind of the pendulum used to be like a lot of biomechanics yeah now it's coming back it's like evening back out to the opposite side of like what are all the different factors in someone's life that go into it? Yeah. But the, and, and then there's sometimes a disconnect in the physical therapy world where older physical therapists used to be super into the biomechanics. Yeah. Your physical therapists are super into the nervous system and how people think about their pain. Right. So people, the old ones or the old school ones are like, why are you forgetting the biomechanics? The new school mm-hmm. ones are like, Biomechanics isn't that important. You need to be more, um, you need to be more aware of of how these people think about their stuff, right? But in terms of performance, biomechanics is always going to be important. In terms of uh, someone's pain experience, it's just one piece. I always I I tell my patients this is one piece of a five hundred piece jigsaw puzzle right it's one factor it's affect. it's definitely affecting your squat performance but just because your squat performance is limited that's not the whole reason why you're having a painful hip so I and I think that's important um that's important for I would say a lot of trainers that I talk to get hyper focused on the biomechanics because they because it's fun. Biomechanics is fun to know and it's fun to like play around with and see uh and see stuff improve whenever you improve the biomechanics. Um but whenever there's pain, it kind of throw it's a curveball, man, you know?
1: So tell me what how you feel about this What well, uh this is my approach on pain, right? Yeah. Um. So again, we all know, it, even for me, because I broke my ankle twice. Um, I had had a labrum tear in my shoulder. Um, actually had this for five years. I didn't have I didn't have surgery until I got out the military. Um, and to be honest with you, it was crazy because for how bad that tear was.
0: Yeah.
1: I was still was able to knock out 150 push-ups um, on my PT test within two minutes. And I always was able to knock out at least 80 push-ups within the 60 seconds. Not 60 seconds. Well, yeah, within the first 60 seconds. Like, I always maxed out the push-ups before um, the whole two minutes. It just – because doing push-ups is constant, right? Mm-hmm. So my pain um, literally ignored it until – I played uh, volleyball in Afghanistan, and I literally jumped up and I tried to spike it, and then just like that, uh, external rotation, like coming out here, yeah. ripped the hell out of it, and I just came down and my shoulder was out of place, and I was just like this, and I was just like dislocated. Ah, hell yeah, uh, I, I wow. dislocated. It, that's like my, um, that's like my third or fourth time dislocating it. Um, so after it got dislocated, I just I just pop it back in place, and I just take some eight hundred uh, milligrams <laughs> of ibuprofen. Um, I take it's like three or four. Awesome. Of them. Yeah, is I talked to the medic. I said, "All right, so when would how much will it be causing overdosing?" It was like, "Well, oh, it's really no overdosing. This is all about just trying not to consume over three thousand two hundred milligrams." I'm like, "Okay, that' too easy." <laughs> Yes, 3200 at one time. Holy listen, shit, listen, listen. <laughs> That's so much ibuprofen.
0: That's enough hey, for freaking cow. Hey,
1: that is, that was, pop- but I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know, I mm-hmm. didn't know that um, it's actually a daily dose. So I thought he was saying at one time. I think he was telling me that was the daily dose, you know. Don't uh, 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 see thirty two hundred milligrams a daily, right? So, but then I was literally taking at one time that much, and then at night time I would literally take another thirty two hundred. So, yeah,
0: put a hole in your stomach,
1: dude. Yeah, I got gastric issues, man. So that's probably why I'm have from that. Probably
0: that is that sounds (laughs) like the way that you have gastric issues. some, some and
1: so, so the um I right, so go give you back to it is just like I have a very high pain tolerance. Wow. Um ankle was broke, was able to muster um, on. Um oh my Hold on, let me take the dog out. Come on, come on. Baby. So, uh, ankles broke, a- able to do rug marches, PT tests, or whatever. I didn't realize the ankles were broken until I got out of the military, too. So, had surgery on that one. But all this research I was um, looking up on pain, I always just wanted to know why, how no crap I was able to do this. And some people have like a, a twisted ankle and they, they couldn't even barely move, right? So then that's when I started looking up the CNS system, um, understanding the importance of it and and how it actually ties in. And then I realized, like, because of me being a technician, um, it's just wires. Um, and i like, okay, so if it's all wires, then whatever the pain stops at, is, that's literally – my body letting me know that it's an issue right there, like a sensor, right? Yeah. Um, And then that's when I learned about impingement and that's when I learned that's what impingement was, was it just like when your shoulder's internally rotated, it's impinged and is your body letting you know that it's an issue here. So then I was like, okay, so what did that, that's made me question like, what exactly is pain? Um, Is pain just a sensor letting you know that something needs to be fixed right so then i just start working that way and my like, if it's pain here then is it because it's impinged, or you have any tears here or is it just because you have a weak back and then you just need to actually get your shoulder out of internal rotation right and is that is that like a good way to deal with my clients with pain or just be able to just let them just deal with their tolerance that of that in a way.
0: Yeah. So I think uh I think what you mentioned similar to to what we had said in the last example that those things are definite factors. Um I would say it's not all of the different factors. Yeah. Um I encourage my trainers to think in terms of movement sensitivities like what movement is sensitive if it's overhead okay going overhead is a spectrum right you got 180 degrees to play with right a lot of people think oh I can't bring my arm all the way back well how far can you take it overhead before it hurts is it to 170 degrees okay do some freaking landmine presses up until that point you know strengthen the range of motion that you have um, I would say as a trainer, cause I used to be, I used to be a CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting coach before I went to physical therapy school. Yes. Yeah. So I, and you know, as a trainer, you get asked questions about why this hurts all the time. Everybody that walks into the door is going to have something at some point, And they say, this hurts. I don't know if I should be doing this. What you say on, at that moment can either be helpful, helpful or harmful in the sense of the trajectory of where that's going to go. Right. So for you, your shoulder, for example, you having all kinds of rotator cuff tears, you were a high level athlete through high school and in the army, right? What if, if anytime, anytime we're talking about a rotator cuff or a hip, you know, a labrum, especially in athletes, hip labrums and, and rotator cuff tearing, um, the idea that those things always need to be fixed, especially in elite high school athletes that then go on to college. If you look at, if you look at the evidence from a, from a thousand foot view in the sense of, you know, it it does say this on an MRI, and they are positive for this test, but you have to ask yourself, what is the long-term outcomes of if they have that surgery? Can it be treated conservatively? Did it happen acutely on the field, or do they just have hip pain, and now we're MRIing them to find out more? All these questions need to be asked because that could set up a kid for – not making it to college on a D1 scholarship or having a surgery where they're never gonna return to that same level. But if you look at the like big picture, more kids who are in those sports, it is more abnormal for them to not have changes on an MRI than it is to have changes on an MRI. So a few years ago I went to uh this shoulder impingement um, talk at the big um, APTA American Physical Therapy Association uh, uh, meeting and it was in New Orleans and uh, Dr. Andrews, you know, Andrews Institute. yeah, He was there and he was talking about shoulder impingement, baseball players. He had this awesome quote. He was like, the the best way for an orthopedic surgeon to justify doing it doing a surgery a rotator cuff repair on a high school pitcher is to mri their shoulder because every high school pitcher is going to have a rotator cuff tear so it's like so this idea of if you have something therefore it needs to be fixed what if it wasn't a dysfunction but an adaptation that's that's the big question right now, because everybody uh, has it, you know.
1: Yeah, you're right.
0: So, it's so therefore, so then the next step with that is is every if everybody has it, the goal shouldn't be we need to fix it, but we need to desensitize and normalize that movement, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's where biomechanics come in, because you know. The supraspinatus brings your arm overhead, right? Infraspinatus turns it out. If those aren't functioning well, you're not going to have an ideal position. Then performance is going to be affected. But um, it's not like those things should be worked on. But it's not to heal the rotator cuff tear. It's to normalize the movement. It's to work into the movement that...
1: Natural selection, you you, you 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 use natural selection in the training because that's what humans like, like I said, like we all are here to survive. Um, if you take away the houses, take away the technology, take everything away, um, we'll literally be out here surviving and we'll all be out here barefoot. And all of us, it'll be a slim chance that somebody will be walking around with flat feet because they'll be actually walking on their feet properly. Um, yeah. So basically what you're saying is just like as we elevate as humans as a race, um, you literally use that perspective into sports. To elevate sports, you have to elevate the the person by if again, if we know that 85% of people are gonna have like micro tears or any type of tears of throwing the ball, that's the same thing as if you look at um, 85% or so probably 100% of NBA players, they're going to have some type of mild arthritis, right? Yeah. Because of all the impact. So it's not about ending it. It's about allowing the body to adapt to it. So the body being adapted to it can literally move on.
0: Right. I think you froze.
1: Never thought about that until
0: that. Yeah, you froze for a second there. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I saw I saw you like putting those two together. Yeah, because when you said, I was like, you made uh, you made an aha moment face.
1: Yeah, like, ah, <laughs> ah. I, that's what my doctor told me. He's like, man, you got arthritis. I'm, like, I'm too young to have arthritis. Everybody project. has
0: arthritis, huh? Everybody has arthritis.
1: No, I, I didn't. But that was young me. Right. Every medical term, uh, term or verbiage, and put in a. Uh, for, that's why I hate when doctors do that. It's why are you scare me. You're telling like, me, oh yeah. I just, just want to let you know that you have malarthritis. arthritis. <laughs> inflammation in your knees. And yeah. They, when I'm like, oh my gosh, but don't worry, it's normal. Then why did you present it like it wasn't?
0: <laughs> did they say that it was normal? Because usually they don't.
1: Well, it's, it's Army. Of course, okay. everything's normal in the Army. They don't <laughs> want you to go to VA to get money, right? Like, yeah. It's definitely not uh, normal for someone. I was too young to have that many issues. My medical record was this thick. Thick, like, math book. Yeah, like I got out, and so I wasn't even out within a year and had two surgeries. <laughs> like that's, like, you, you just muster through, man. But right. uh, but. So how
0: can you? How can you be a positive, uh, positive force in in helping your high school athletes kind of navigate these things? Like, are you are you pretty much in constant communication with them? Yeah, yeah.
1: All the time, I try to be. Um, I'm, I'm more of a mentor, and I just use sports to get to them. Like how my mentor got to me was, like, hell, he just talked to me, and I just anything he said was gold to me. So I, I saw it was God, Jesus, him, and everybody else. So that's that was that was me. You know what I mean? I was Mr. Win, freaking right hand kid. Like if I messed up. I'm thinking about, dang, Mr. Wing gonna say something. And I then I'll think about my mama's gonna beat the hell out of me, right? right. Um, that's how much he impacted my life. And so me being that young, I was 17, I was mentoring people, uh, and I was just doing what he did. It's like, yo, you I called everybody my little brother. So you were younger than me. I took care of you. And I still to this day do the same thing to young kids. And every year I say the same thing. I'm like, I'm done, man. Like, that's the last kid. I can help him graduate. I put him in the right track. Shit, I'm done. And then I get a random message on Instagram, a kid want to train. And I'm like, ah, okay, I guess I'll, I guess I'll help you. You know what I mean? But now I just take it as it's my passion, my calling. So I, I just give them the bag early on. Um, I don't sugarcoat anything. I let them know. Like after I learn a situation, I tell them exactly where they're at, and I say, like, wherever you want to go, I'm going to tell you how far you have to go to get there. I'm not going to tell you you can't do it, but I'm going to allow you to know that you are this far away, so you working out every four or five days, you ain't going to reach there. You're going to have to put hours to, to get to this point. Like, your IQ is there. But your freaking body not. So you need to put at least an hour a day on your body just learning videos. I'll send videos to them, like therapy videos and just, like, different movements so they can understand the body. I will send, like, information where they can just read. And I'll make sure that stuff is long. I don't want, like, short stuff because I want them to get used to reading, right? Because people hate doing that. Um, I'll make them – I'll tell them about their body. And just perspective of just – and I make them think it through. Like for a squat, uh, they like like – before they squat, I'll like, say, okay, so how how do they t- teach you how to squat? Oh, yeah, and they do it. Of course, it'd be an ugly squat. And then the first thing I address is the the knees over toes issue, right? I'm like, okay, so they're telling you um, you probably was told, make sure your knees don't pass your toes, right? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. And I'll like, say, okay. So the whole idea of a squat is – You're shoving your knees forward and your hips will literally drop. So you're not pushing your hips down. That's not, you're not physically doing that. It's actually a reaction. The action is knees go forward. The reaction is hips go down. And then if you're freaking, then you're dealing with your hip rotation, right? So I I get this deep with these kids and they, it blows their mind. But at least when they hear it, they understand a good trainer or a bad trainer, right? If they explain yeah. it. So, feel like, this is feel now like,
0: safe now that it's been explained to me. Exactly, exactly. I was giving them permission because they've been told, oh, don't go past your toes.
1: Yes, yes, because I hate, I hate when people. That's you know, your pet peeve. Man, yes, I hate bad information. I have like,
0: like 17 pet peeves. Uh, no. uh, I, I've moved on past that. <laughs>
1: Oh, well, I
0: couldn't hold on to that
1: one. I only can imagine you—you—you are you're, you're a doctor, right? So I only can imagine, and I only can imagine the stuff you hear doctors say. <laughs> so you got ten years of schooling, and you're still thinking this way. So I—at I, least I'm dealing with people with certifications and self-proclaimed trainers. Yeah. You are really dealing with licensed therapists. Who sometimes will say some things and you be like, "Why did you even say that?" Right? Off the wall. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely feel for you. Like I'm, I'm, I'm all the way down when it comes to that. But um, no, that's I, I literally just focus on that and um, and then I do tests to them and I'll, I'll push their knees forward and make sure if they got great hip mobility, then they would generally squat correctly automatic without me even. Teaching all the uh, mechanics uh, to it because your body does it naturally. Um, and then if they if if their back lower back hurt, I know for a fact it's their hips. And um, if their knees hurt, I know for a fact they can do dorsiflexion correction. Right, I know they don't have uh, ankle uh, flex uh, low well, range of motion mobility whatever. Yeah. And generally, their kids if they never mess their ankle up, um, if they don't have back issues, they squat perfectly. And then I'm like, boom, okay. Say, do you feel pain in your knees? They'd be like, no. I said, good. I said, then I'll make them squat down. And then as they squatted, I will stop their knee from moving, and then they keep squatting, and they always yell. They always be pain. And then they get up. I said, that hurt, right? And they're like, man, hell yeah, hurt. I'm like, you got bad knees, right? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, no. I'm like, no. You just witnessed you had no pain, yeah, correctly. And now, because you're stopping midway, and then I that's when I get real technical with them like, yo, that center of gravity is being shifted up front and it's going on your knees instead of allowing your mid, your torso, or your freaking uh mid plane allowing the gravity to go straight down, the force to go straight down, right? So, it's just the uh, positioning. Of weight is either you put it in front of it which is knees or right. if you have no hip mobility um it will go to your lower back because that force has to go somewhere right. and so I literally teach force right away so I'll let them to know that if you feel again that's how I teach uh, that's how I utilize pain for direction um to either do more or do less or to do further range or shorter range. It just allows yeah. them to just navigate. And then as long as they're pain-free, I know for a fact they're going to love the training, and then they're going to come back and train more. You know what I mean? Then I have a client or I have kids that I mentor who want to train because they're pain-free. They have no negative connotation of working out, and they're in the weight room longer, right? They right. enjoy it. But it always come back after they get that type of training, they will go to school and they get in trouble <laughs> because the coach saying his boy crap, that he or she don't know what the hell they're saying. Mm-hmm. And then the kid come to me. I get so many text messages from kids venting to me about how horrible their conditions is. And i just like, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just muster through. You're about to go to a collegiate level. You'll be fine and then they go to some of these schools and I'm be like why the hell did you go there <laughs> because you're literally about to deal with the exact same torture that you dealt in high school from bad training and that but it is what it is so the more I and then it is the more I teach is the more it's so empowering to these kids that they can move a certain way right and it, Like it's lights that come on that once they feel it, like I had a group of girls when the first time they felt their glutes. Man, it took a long time to teach a hinge, but after all of them felt their freaking glutes, they went from "this is stupid, I can't feel anything" to soon as they felt it, it, like how you saw that light that came on me. Yeah. in all of them in the excitement it, it i loved it because they got so excited that they felt their buttocks <laughs> so he's like hey man you've been working out this long and you listen butt stuff yeah <laughs> but it's it's what but let's think about it though hell they can feel their freaking glutes then they can freaking be able to combat these ACL tears. It's like they can get out the freaking external rotation and they can actually get some of the uh, – I'm not external, but internal rotation. It gets the external rotation. It's like they, they have no abductions. Like they can't feel oh. their – they have no hamstrings. So all they have is quads. Quads is going to push it forward, and then they tear their ACLs. So me giving them the filling of their glutes and then they go home and they do hip bridges and fill their glutes and they do these home exercises, it doesn't prevent an injury, but it medicates it. You know what I mean? So my whole job is long as they're freaking feeling good and we're reducing the rate of injuries, these kids are fine. They can play, right? And, and me doing that, it makes these kids love health. Right. I have many kids that after I mentor, it's because of their environment. They always think they have to be a freaking trainer. Um, they all want to be a personal trainer. But no, you don't. You're like, no, I do. I say, you want to be a personal trainer because I made you feel good, and that was a good experience, and now you want other people to feel good. That doesn't mean you need to be a personal trainer. Right. That mean you want to help people. Yeah. And that's the like, way you know now. Go to college. Right. Learn and figure out your own passion.
0: But you can you
1: help learn by not want to
0: be a trainer. You said what? You can help people by not being a trainer. Like so yeah. the thing that I learned in the past year, um, having my own business is that all business is the same. If you're dealing with people, all business is the same and you're in the service industry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you can help people in any what in any business that serves people, it doesn't have to be health and wellness. It yeah. can be providing a product that makes their life better, you know? And that's business. That's, that's like business one-on-one. If you're taking care of your people, yes. they will therefore come back and you're setting them up. You know, every, every field is a little different, but yeah, it's hyper, hilarious. getting hyper focused on the being needing to be a trainer
1: you don't think you
0: just give them a very positive experience so then they want to be like you
1: I know that's what I did the same thing that's why I'm still in school now right is because my mentor focused so much on education yeah and I hated school I thought school wasn't for me I thought I was dumb like yo and this ain't for me all he wanted to do is school so to be honest with you if he didn't pass away I probably wouldn't got out the military and went back to school yeah. because I was living a great life. You know what I mean? Is the military? So when I say great life, I mean, I had money and I had a crappy job, but I had money. Right. So that's all I really cared about. I had money to suffice. I had a house. Bills was paid. My cars were paid. It was paid off. You know, just, I was living it. Uh, and then I was in another state, wasn't in Huntsville, Alabama anymore, but when he passed away it was just that experience he gave me that i literally felt obligated to go back to school right and then i was in washington state i was freaking uh mentoring kids in washington state uh don't have no connections with that community whatsoever but again my mentor um all he made me do is help the other people and i love helping so as soon as i got back home from afghanistan I found a local gym, Wild, uh, not I'm so yeah, it was a Boys and Girls Club, and it was a team called Tacoma Hustles. And I started training those athletes uh, with the coach. Um, and I loved it. And because these kids were so amazing, and actually, one of the kids that I worked there, trained there, he's actually the number one corner in the nation right now. And he actually is playing football for Georgia State. This kid, was such a freak athlete that he was already in the junior Olympics. And this is why I focus on track so much. Yeah. This is the bag. If, if, when you have kids, this is the bag right here. He was in the junior. All they did was track. He played basketball, football. But he killed in track. Um, he still killed in track. So what does track teach you what correct posture Cracker acceleration, um, and after you learn how to correctly run, and you can fundamentally move, you can literally play any sport because you have to know how to run fast and stop and control body in any sport. We went from there into now the number one, and a dude is oh he's a corner. Mm-hmm. So if, let's say you do beat him, he know how to run. He yeah. Can, you know what I mean? Um, and then he he was just blessed to be in a lot of different programs. But I watched him elevate because he had only like, uh, when I first found him again on social media, it was two or three years ago. kid only had like 600 followers, right? Um, now he's already up to like freaking 40K followers because it's like his name, just, his name elevated. He was yeah. already that great. But as soon as that one person found him and he was able to get his stars from one star to five stars, it, it's just crazy how he just elevated. And now we're watching these coaches training him like they created him. I'm like, nah, gee, he had that at eight <laughs> years old. I saw that in him when he was eight. That's awesome. You know what I mean? Like, that ain't you, bro. You yeah. had that kid for six months. You ain't do that who the hell taught, gave that kid that foundations, who taught that kid how to run, that person created him. You know what I mean? And that's why I'm like, yo, I'm only focusing on that acceleration, deceleration, lateral movements, man, because it takes away the – well, not takes away the injury. It reduces the injury Mm -hmm. of kids in the weight room. Um, A strong kid is not guaranteed as a collegiate sports player – a kid who knows how to functionally move, which is a athlete, they at least can have the opportunity to go. Because I've seen too many great football players, great basketball players, and they couldn't perform on just the basics of um, just skill training when it comes to just cones, when it comes to just a 40-yard, or just seeing how their hips move, right? It just... It's too much assessments that they have to do that they're trash at, but their performance is good. So it always get them nicks. So if I actually give them assessments and then they do assessments correctly, then once they have an assessment in college, I'm just preparing them for the test, right? Um, that's how you get those athletes who are great assessment-wise and playing D1 sports. But um, they're not good on the field. So
0: right. I
1: see these kids great on the field, I may get the assessment portion and then, yo, we automatically going to make it. You know what I mean? Um, but it, all of that comes off to say it just, we, we are who we are because of the people that we met, that we experienced, that gave us good feels, And that's why I'm who I am because of my mentor. And, The reason these kids gonna be who they are because of their environment, their parents, and because of me. Um, And I don't want the things that I gave them to affect them negatively in their latter years, right? So that's why I make sure I give them the whole bag. I don't hold nothing back because if you pull back and they slip up, they don't know. Then that's when I get accountable. That's why I make sure I'm like, yo. I'm gonna tell it like it is. I don't care if it's hurt your feelings or not. This is just information. Um, this is not good information. This is not bad information. This is just an evaluation of who you are right now, uh, and take that and go with it. You know yeah. what I
0: mean? Yeah, that's good stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, sweet.
0: Well, uh, well, thanks for chatting with me about these things. Uh, I think it's good stuff. I think, I think a lot of trainers can. Uh, can benefit from hearing hearing more about what people are doing in their own personal communities to help build it up. So I think it's really valuable.
1: Yeah, man. If uh, I can leave that with anything, man, I'll definitely tell trainers it's all about experience. Like, um, I don't care how many certifications you got. I got a lot of certifications, but um, I didn't get this information until I started doing my own assessments I'm um, assessing uh, these kids, uh, grown folks, and me literally writing down and taking my own tests and seeing, looking at the data, right? But if you only get in clients um, that they're paying you, then you can't do as much because you're limited. But if you actually take the time out and do some free counts, then you get a lot more people that you can assess, that you can try new things with. And if it works, then you can then add it to your own back and then you can sell it because you have your own case study. Now you don't have to worry about, well, I got this from this book. Now you can be like, I got the direction from this book and this is what I'm doing and here's my results. So a lot of people just want to think, I'm worth more to do free, but yo, this is a world, you got to help people. So if you're living, when you go back to business, I You got two people. You got the seller and you got the server. That seller will sell you any type of car regardless if it's going to benefit you and your family. They just want the sale. Then you got that server who actually have an opportunity to sell you this uh, Mustang two door but instead that server is going to tell you all the benefits of this family van that comes with all these modifications that tells you how long it lasts. That tells you what it can do for your life and how it can benefit you, right? Like that's that's that server who's going to give you what you need, and then they are going to automatically come back. So that's I hate sellers, man. Like like you, you I you rewrote because you was willing to give information. I was willing to receive information. That is what a community is all about. People who's about that selling stuff, they're holding us back. Um, they're stopping uh, us from elevating. Because they're not, they're only thinking about themselves. And if you only think about yourself, you can get accurate, accurate data anyway, because yeah. you think about yourself as just data, right? So selfish people are it. Um, and if you want to make it in this industry and be great, I don't care about marketing, I don't care about your followers, but actually be great at this, then you have to do some things. Um, for free is <laughs> like you have to you you have to have a large enough sample size. Mm. You have to help. You know what I mean? Like, how is you supposed to know the community you're selling to? if You don't know, right? Right. So I'll end it with that, man. Uh, thank you so much, bro, for having me, man. And I definitely appreciate it, brother.
0: Yeah. Thanks for coming on.
1: If you're interested in connecting with us and other coaches around the world, just like you, on a more personal level, join our Facebook group, Alineate Coaches Community, linked in the episode description. Also, if you or a friend who is a trainer are interested in joining us in a podcast, shoot us a message after joining. We'd love to chat.